You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Yes, sir, people, the time of the evening uh, where you join us on your segment on After Dinamans, and it is uh, Ibrahim Ba's segment, The Travel Express with Ibrahim Balacha. Ibrahim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Shafat and our listeners to Radio Marka Sahaba. Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, I couldn't be better. Thank you so much for asking. Now, I always have to ask my ba because he's one <laughs> of my favorites. Now, ba, tell me, I went and bought my dates. I, I smoked that majdul, majdul, majdul. Majdul, majdul. Majdul, yeah, I love it. I simply love it. What about you? Have you got your stocks? Uh, to be quite honest, I think uh, my brother-in-law was kind enough to send some over. So, yeah, we have some. And I tried one or two. And indeed, they are delectable, I must say. Uh, the trouble with me is if I get it early. Sugar, sugar. <laughs> and forget the sugar. I finished the box before the first half. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, but Alhamdulillah, Ibrahim, and on a more serious note, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us energy, has given us the power. Maybe we can chuckle a, a bit because uh, hope and pray it is because of, uh, you know, the close proximity that we have with our maker and creator. But Ibrahim, as we look forward to what's happening here, uh, 20th of March is not uh, far away. Uh, mm-hmm. Many uh, conflicting stories coming through. And uh, some have said, yes, uh, that uh, American army is there at Richards Bay for one reason, to ensure that the coal gets onto the ships and uh, ship to America and the UK and uh, Germany and so forth. And uh, Julius Malema has said, I will make sure that Richards Bay, all the trucks, you will have to stop. What's your thoughts, Ibrahim Ba? Oh, man, you know, as if this country isn't deep enough in trouble already, then we need some idiot like this to stand up and make utterances, you know, and threaten everybody. And of course, uh, the annoying thing about it is the government of the the day uh, tacitly approves or looks the other way and gives him free reign to mount all these verbal, you know, allegations and uh, threats to business and everything. It's crazy, really. And... Uh, if it does come to pass, and we are taking this threat seriously, as are uh, most businesses and other uh, communities, in the light of what happened a few years ago in July of 2021. But uh, we're just very much going to wait and see how much of support there is for this kind of uh, shutdown. I know there are uh some trade unions that are already involved in that uh police i'm talking about police that are desk bound or you know not on any special operation or anything they will be striking as well so uh, it remains to be seen uh on the day what happens but uh like i said having having been having had the experience of uh, july uh, a few years ago, the thing is, uh, people are not taking it lightly. I know that I've been approached and lots of other people have said, hey, listen, guys, what are we doing to protect our neighborhood? Because uh, I think it will be a question of deja vu again, where you will not find a single police officer or anyone from law enforcement to protect a, either your life and limb or your property, for that matter, if push should come to shove. But... Uh, I do know that there are meetings afoot by the authorities, law enforcement and other authorities, local, regional and national, to have some sort of contingency plan in place 
at this stage they haven't included the army in that that much is evident and it's going to be left to the various uh, uh, South African police uh, services uh, police stations and personnel and of course wherever there are metropolitan police uh, to enforce the law and ensure that there's going to be a semblance of law and order on the day so uh, yeah, we're taking it uh, at face value. We are not uh, saying that it's not going to happen. It will happen. And uh, it's a question of how ugly it gets because uh, you are dealing with people that are, you know, uh, you know, they just one mindset. They just want to destroy if they don't get their way and get violent and burn this, that and the other down. Loot shops, they've been going around saying that, oh, if you don't close your business, uh, then you run the risk of being looted. Now, if that's not an incitement to violence and, uh, you know, bordering on treason, then I don't know what is. And uh, for anyone to be able to threaten that much and get away with it says that uh, maybe, just maybe, that uh, Julius is a fire starter for the ANC, that uh, they already have some more, so many problems, so let them cause one more and drive the country into the, into the ground completely. And uh, mind you, it had to take a private organization from the private sector to uh, initiate uh, proceedings against the EFF and the usual suspects uh, to hold them to account. And uh, why the government hasn't done that is anybody's guess. So yeah, I think uh, everybody should be uh, taking precautions. Don't uh, uh, plan anything special for the day. No unnecessary travel, whether you're going to close the business or not, that's something the individual businessman or owner has got to take a decision on. But uh, I think it'll be prudent to uh, just uh, test the waters and, and sort of engage with the staff members who are going to be affected as well to find out, uh, you know, uh, what uh, the depth of that threat might be and whether they a, will be staying away from work on the day or whether they will be coming and what the uh, scenario most likely will be like that will be playing out ultimately. But uh, yeah, it's not something that we should take lightly. It's a threat against everybody. And I think we should respond in kind by being prepared. No, Ibrahim, but another uh, you know, sad thought or a frightening thought is, uh, you know, uh, hospitals and uh, these nurses and, uh, you know, are behaving uh, undignified. Uh, you know, letting, uh, I mean, some, some nurses because of the negligence uh, you know, with the paramedics or the ambulance and all that, uh, some people have already passed on and uh, some also have passed on because of uh, this uh, service not being uh, provided. I mean, what type of individuals are working in our healthcare? What type of ind- individuals are working in our police forces? What type of individuals do we have in parliament and in uh, municipalities? Nay, I mean, the whole country. What's going on, Ibrahim? But do we have people that uh, that have any conscience? Uh, look, again, uh, I, I, I hear what you say and I agree with you in that. The thing is, it's a question of dealing with a mindset. If it's a warped mindset where the values like morals, ethics and all the responsibilities and all the rest of that don't hey, either don't occur or are all inverted or perverted, whichever way you want to look at it, then this is what will come to pass. And uh, it is indicative of the uh, how deep our society to think that uh, you know uh, people can stand there in the in the uh, hotel I beg your pardon in the hospital uh, corridors with sham box and whip 
anyone who are who is wanting to you know either nurse or attend to the sick and uh, you know the people that need attention that is sickening to the nth degree and uh, you know I, I I think you know sometimes you know like the Quran says they are like animals nay they are even worse than animals well that that I think certainly applies in this case because even an animal if it's wounded its fellow uh, companion or, or partner will do whatever to either lick that wound or to try and protect it from any further harm but here, allegedly or purportedly human beings, you know, I, I think uh, you've got to be some sort of savage if that's the way you are going to look at your fellow human being that is in suffering and in need of help and, and attention, medical care as well, and you are preventing it wantonly. I mean, what kind of nonsense it is. And uh, again, that uh, goes all the way up to the top. I mean, if you've got uh, a bunch of kleptocrats, basically, that are running the country, that all they are uh you know committed to be doing is stealing and looting and taking as much money out of the system as they possibly can i mean whether it's uh, illegitimate or legitimate uh, concerns them not a jot they don't really care they don't care about the ordinary man in the street the only time that they do uh display some uh, semblance of that is when they go every once in four years like next year they'll go running around with whatever color t-shirt and uh, maybe a hamper of groceries or something and buy the votes all over again. And uh, those people who are going to vote for the same people, again, are, you know, there's no other word. Like they say, there is there is no cure for stupid. And I'm sorry to say all these things, uh, Brother Shafat, but, you know, how else do you explain it? Where you can see the writings on the wall that this country has gone down the drain, you know, in the past 28, 30 years that these people have been at hell at the helm of the country and uh, you still go and vote for them and believe what they're going to say when there's such a lot of evidence either in court or out in the media that shows you what uh, the depth that they have sunk to and the uh, rotten nature of the government of the day so uh, I, I unless there's a divine intervention or a sea change of the mindset which will take a few generations whether we'll be alive uh, or fortunate enough to see something like that remains to be seen. But uh, other than that, uh, they are going to get more savage in their actions just to get what they want. Case in point being this again, the shutdown and whatever threats that they are posing for the 20th. I, uh, Ibrahim, you know, a uh, pool of thoughts are running through my mind. Uh, you find like uh, countries like America, have uh, used uh, private militias, uh, you know, in Iraq, the black waters come to mind. And also the uh, Russians are using, uh, you know, uh, militias there, they, they, they in, in, in Ukraine. Yeah. But I'm wondering now, we as a South African, maybe, you know, uh, the ordinary South African today will have to protect himself. And uh, maybe, you know, the people of this country will have to maybe hire militias to protect them from the marauding, uh, marauding masses, uh, Ibrahim. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, think about that. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, the first thing these people will say, the so-called, the so-called government and uh, mm. law enforcement agents, oh, uh, we're not going to tolerate uh, vigilantism and there is no room for this and all sorts of other bulldust that will be coming out from them. And there you, which is your uh, constitutional right to defend your life and your property and your family, etc., etc., Dare you shoot one of the so-called marauding savages, the police will be the first one at your door within a blink of an eye to come and arrest you. 
but let the marauding uh, savages come and destroy your house, rape your family women, and, and burn your house down and kill you in the most gruesome or brutal manner that they can think of, then you'll just become a statistic. Nothing ever will happen and nobody will get caught and nobody will be brought to justice. This is what the reality of the situation is. And whilst I think uh, forming a militia will be further down the road, depending on how seriously uh, the situation deteriorates in the months and years to come, the thing is, I think it behooves every man, every woman that can be prepared and stand up and fight and protect their own property and their family and their lives and their, you know, uh, well-being, then they must do it because there is nobody else experience it. And uh, I don't care what the, the government of the day has to say. If they cannot, if they cannot uh, protect you, which is their job to do, the government of the day, if they cannot do that, then they cannot in all fairness, prevent you from doing it yourself. And uh, to that, that, uh, that, uh, that is what I've got to say. And the same goes for us. The thing is, I will, of course, stand by and protect ourselves uh, and not let these uh, people have their way with us. Well, Ibrahimba, you know, uh, fascinating in a conversation with you on your segment, Travel Express. What about a, a, a third force inter interference? Uh, you know, we know the government has failed us. I mean, uh, uh, third force days have gone. I mean, it was third force when IFP was trying, uh, you know, to 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 uh, derail the democracy or the uh, democratic elections and so forth. Uh, any third force invo involvement? I believe uh, Derater has gone underground too, Ibrahim Ba. Yeah, well, there were threats on his life, so it's. Uh, I think it was very uh, prudent of him to have gone underground and get out of harm's way. Insofar as third forces goes, well, look, there's a lot at play. I mean, there's organized crime syndicates and everyone else, uh, you know, that are under the radar that are nevertheless, uh, you know, adding fuel to the fire and, and getting whatever uh, illegitimate gains they can get out of it. But the thing is, what we mustn't uh, uh, miss out on is the fact that uh, who's controlling the puppets, a, including our mm. alleged or purported government of the day, who holds their leashes? I think that is the, the case in point. Whether it's the Americans, whether it's the city of London or whoever else that has, uh, you know, another agenda to drive this country into the ground and destroy it altogether before they come and buy up everything on pennies on the pound and then, uh, you know, fix it up again and uh, control everything, uh, you know, that they, they, they survey. And uh, this is what it is. I mean, uh, nobody in their right minds or no right thinking people or leaders will do something to the detriment of a the country and the citizenry. But here it is open to see that they, they do everything and they uh, pass laws and things like that. I'm talking about the, the COVID scam that uh, has come and gone. I don't know what's next waiting in the wings to be trotted out. but. Uh, if that's what they are doing and stealing all the money to boot and uh, making the uh, the country such that the ordinary law-abiding citizen, you know, has to fear for his life, whether he is at work, at home, driving or or just walking down the street, there is no protection anymore. The police force, uh, head of the police force, the minister is a joke, as everyone says. And uh, I don't know where this is all going to end. It's just uh, going to be absolute anarchy and chaos if nothing is done to stem the tide. Well, Ibrahim Ba, moving from doom and gloom, let's go to Amsterdam. Amsterdam, 
six of Amsterdam's best cap secrets. Hey, I know about one secret, but anyway, talk to me about the six best cap yeah. secrets. Yeah, the tulips, of, tulips from Amsterdam and the windmills. That's such a beautiful place, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, one cannot sort of write it off. Uh, and it's somewhere that I believe everyone should go to if they can afford the opportunity of being there just to see everything. Yeah, now uh, we have direct uh, flights running from Joburg and Cape Town to uh, the home uh, of uh, uh, Amsterdam, the home of KLM, Royal Dutch Airlines that does the flying. And uh, they're the ones that are, I think, wanting to increase the market share out of South Africa. And uh, they have uh, kindly put out these six uh, best uh, kept secrets. And I'll run through them very quickly. I'm not sure how much time there is left because it always flies when we talk. But uh, Amsterdam itself, it's, uh, it's literally a piece of freedom. It's a city that so many people, you know, have on their bucket list. And, uh, of course, you have incredible architecture, uh, beautiful canals, a bustling cultural scene, delicious food, and it's always full of tourists, irrespective of which time of the year you go. And uh, of course, some of the hotspots is, uh, some of them will be African sounding names, understandably. Uh, Westergas Fabrik, which is of course a Western gas uh, factory or something to that effect. Uh, this is something South Africans are very fond of, uh, and it brings culture to life. And it has fast become a cultural uh, hub that is rich with history. And it, believe it or not, why it's named such, it's built inside an expensive gasworks facility that dates back to the late 19th century. And uh, it's known for its industrial facade and it's filled with restaurants, coffee shops, uh, music venues, art house cinemas, and the largest coin-operated arcade in the city. And uh, I think the draw card here is those who love, the lovers of art basically will fall in love with the magic uh, that this place has to offer. Uh, number two on that list is called the Pancake Boat, would you believe? And this is a perfect outing if you're traveling with the, with kids, with the family. And uh, Amsterdam has its very own Pancake Boat where visitors are given beautiful views of the city from being while being presented with an unlimited supply of Dutch style pancakes. And uh, these are quite uh, delicious and should be tried. And this tour takes uh, some 75 minutes and departs several times a day. And that's going through the canals, of course, uh, of which there are many in uh, Amsterdam. Then you have uh, Rem Island. And uh, this is where you come to try out all the new foods and uh, fine dining if you'd like. And if you're looking for such an experience, you can book a table at uh, this uh, location. And uh, basically, this is an unusual waterborne restaurant, yeah, that is housed inside a renovated offshore platform that once stood some nine kilometers off the coast of Netherlands. And it was uh, abandoned by previous owners who were allegedly uh, private radio broadcasters and the Dutch government raided them sometime way back in the 60s, shut them down and uh, then uh, someone decided to tow this platform into Amsterdam's uh, harbour there, Houthaven they call it, harbour, and it, was it has been transformed into one of the classiest and most unusual restaurants in the country, so uh, good on them to have thought of that. 
Uh, next up is the ons lever here of Solda. Uh, Europe generally is rich in history and culture. And after the Reformation in the 16th century, the newly established uh, Calvinistic Dutch government, uh, it outlawed Catholicism in the country. However, despite the severe punishment meted out to anyone that still persisted, Many continued to worship in secret, and some even went as far as to build secret churches. And this is one of them that we are talking about. And even though the other churches were destroyed and uh, demolished uh, on site, this was built on the top three floors of a canal house during the 1660s. And surprisingly, it uh, survived unscathed. And that was something <laughs> a tribute to them, really. And... Uh, Today, it's been preserved as a historic museum since 1888, an amazing place. And even if you're not so religious, there's a lot to learn about the places of worship in ordinary houses. And uh, then we have the IEYE, I Film, Film Museum, and uh, it's shaped, uh, oddly shaped, uh, I Film uh, Museum. Uh, you must visit it when next in Amsterdam. There's more to see other than the building, and inside the institute is a gallery space that hosts exhibitions related to filmmaking. It has four modern cinemas, multi-tiered restaurants uh, that look onto the uh, river. And of course, the venue also plays host to film festival, concert, movie screenings, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, a night visit is on the cards because it is even more majestic at night with all the lights and everything on. Then the last one up, I think, is Posen, Posen Boot. Yeah, if, now this is just for people like me and you. Uh, if we are cat lovers, yeah, uh, it's a perfect activity to go because uh, this is a cat sanctuary that has cared for uh, stray and abandoned felines for more than 40 years now. And visitors are welcome all days of the week. And this is also on the boat. A lot of stuff in uh, the Netherlands, in fact, in Amsterdam is waterborne because of the profusion of canals over there and uh, the lack of space, of course. So everything's on the boat as far as possible they can have. And uh, this this boat is located on the northern banks of the single canal in central Amsterdam. And uh, it has a large lower deck where cats are given the opportunity to roam free and interact with visitors. So uh, if you're so inclined and feel up to looking at your furry feline friends, then a nice time to visit it. So those were the six that they uh, they proffered as such, and uh, I think uh, it, it does add a bit more for the tourists uh, who are you know, planning to visit Amsterdam. Yeah, Ibrahim, and uh, you know, I also know that uh, cats... Uh, I didn't know that they like strawberries. They also like some bananas, mm. uh, some rice, and uh, they will eat it. And, uh, you know, yeah, even carrots. They will. Mm. You know, uh, maybe you can supplement uh, their diet if, with that. Even they like, they like uh, corn on the cover. They'll clean it out for you. Make no mistake, eh? Wow. I mean, I didn't know this. I mean, uh, we eat strawberries, we have bananas, and yeah. then I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it because I spoil yeah. them with the whatever. I mean, they're so fussy. They want this type of uh, food. They, they, we believe that they are mostly carnivores, but that's not necessarily true. They uh, do acquire taste. I think if, if they are still kittens and you start feeding them the diet, they'll get accustomed to it very quickly. Yeah, and yeah, yesterday our... <laughs> 
our elders. Ways, then of course we got a challenge. Yeah, I mean uh, yesterday our elders, uh, you know, the cats, any cat came, you know, stray cat, even the cat became the pet. Mm. He told what we ate. Exactly. I mean, what we had, the lactose was given yeah. to them. Yeah. And uh, today, uh, you know, they have made it such a thing that, uh, I mean, uh, you you find pensioners that are buying uh, food for the uh, pets or for the cats. Mm-hmm. You feel really, very sorry for them. Yeah. It takes hours to decide on what, uh, what we're mm-hmm. going to buy and which one to buy. And it's not cheap also, but it's not cheap. So, uh, it is a, it's a shocking the mm-hmm. price that you pay for pet food. Uh, Bye, you won't believe it. As you said, when you and I begin chatting, we really chat, you know, and uh, the time literally flies. We have about five minutes to go. No, so, don't say that. But I'm, I'm telling you, I can't believe it. Uh, passports that have improved over the last 10 years. Yeah, well, seeing, yeah, seeing that we're going to be uh, running out of time, I'm just going to cut the chatter and just maybe focus on the main event. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, basically, look, it depends on how strong your passport is and uh, how reliable your internal Home Affairs Department is that people look at, you know, and uh, uh, based on that, then they uh, tend to uh, give you a stronger rating on your passport, so much so that you'll have access to more countries visa-free. Otherwise, then uh, you are restricted and you'll have to go for a stringent, depending on the destination uh, application criteria that you need to meet before they can even uh, consider giving you any visa entry and depending on the period and things like that. Uh, top of the pops, of course, is the UAE. I'm talking about Dubai mostly. And uh, of course, because of its location, everyone's dying to go there to go and visit the man-made uh, desert uh, city, as well as go, go and start a business or live there, whatever the case may be. And uh, we are talking about a 10-year span. Huh? And uh, the UAE has, uh, to its credit, you know, uh, come up trumps in the sense that in 2013, their passport had access, visa-free access to only 72 countries. That has jumped now to 178 countries in 2023 and a change, a positive change of 106. So that's quite good. Next up, would you believe is Colombia, South America? And despite all the trouble they've been mm. having and all the, you know, uh, civil war and, uh, you know, the drug running operations and cartels and all that sort of thing, they have done quite well as well. Uh, in 2013, there were only uh, visa-free access to 63 countries. And uh, that has gone up uh, tremendously to 133, uh, changed positively again of uh, 70. And then, of course, uh, the point of contention all, all at the moment uh, is Ukraine. As we know, they are fighting a proxy war there, the NATO and uh, UK and uh, Americans and the rest of the so-called civilized West is fighting to destroy Russia and using uh, Ukraine as a proxy. In 2013, Ukraine had access to 77 countries, and now that has more than doubled, or more or less doubled, to uh, to 144. And, uh, of course, there is travel advisories that are going out, but uh, this represents a change, positive change again of 67. Uh, Then we go to the Caribbean, Dominica, in the Eastern Caribbean, known for its dramatic uh, landscapes and waterfalls, etc., etc. And uh, from 87, that has jumped to 144 again, a positive change of 57. Grenada, also in, in the Caribbean, up from uh, one, up from 88 to 145, positive change of 57. And Peru, the land of uh, the Lake Titicaca, the highest lake on Earth, 
as well as uh, Machu Picchu, wonderful place to visit. And uh, they had in 2013 access to 80 countries and that has shot up to 136 uh, positive change of 56. And then lastly, St. Lucia, that's also in the Caribbean area. And uh, that has gone up uh, considerably uh, from, uh, I think uh, they added on 52 countries and they're now standing at uh, 146 in total visa-free. So that's a positive change of 52. So those are the main uh, passports that have shown the highest uh, sort of uh, increase of growth in, shall I say, strength, so to speak, in the sense that it it commands access, visa-free access to more destinations than the others. And these were the ones that have improved the most over the past decade. Yeah, Ibrahim, but you know, uh, looking at this uh, last topic, I'd I like to squeeze it in. Your next international flight uh, could cost you a fortune. And there's it. It looks like people will have to buy and sit at home and look at virtual reality. I mean, <laughs> you understand? I mean, this is what they're pushing you to, uh, towards, Ibrahim, but. No, that is, that is true. The thing is, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure if you have uh, paid attention very much, but uh, historically speaking, globally, South Africa was the cheapest country to fly out of to international destinations on Earth. Yeah, we were the cheapest. Mm. And uh, then came COVID and uh, post-COVID, of course, everyone gone and jacked affairs up into the stratosphere. And what would have cost you maybe eight, nine thousand rand for a trip to Dubai or something is now gone to twice as much or even more, depending on the season and the time of flight, etc., and things like that. So uh, yeah, and uh, I think what they're going to do is uh, keep uh, sort of wringing as much money they can out of the uh, hapless uh, traveler or the consumer as far as possible, and. Uh, it will get more and more expensive. What what we must also appreciate is inflation has eaten away at our spending power. Yeah, the disposable income is not there as much as, much as it used to be before. And also, uh, what is going on in the United States, I believe two or three banks, big banks, have already failed. And uh, the bailout starting all over again. And I'm not sure how far that contagion is going to, going to spread. But that's an aside, and that's something we should keep an eye on. But uh, definitely, they're looking to push uh, travel and things more into the realm of virtual reality. And the thing is, it is so very real. The thing is, uh, one, one will ask, it begs the question, of course, you know, do I have to spend so much of money and go there when I can sit in my house, have all my creature comforts around me and be there more or less virtually? So uh, that's uh, where it's heading, Pa, uh, and uh, I think... Uh, depending on uh, how the uh, the uh, main players feel about it in the aviation and tourism industry, that will determine the route they are going to take. Remember, absolutely, mashallah, being in your company. Your parting words uh, before I let you go. Uh, you're talking to me about words of wisdom. I'm not sure if I've got any. But let's see. It is said, if you are emotionally attached to your tribe, your religion or political leaning to the point that truth and justice become secondary considerations, your education is useless. If you cannot reason beyond petty sentiments, you are not an asset but a liability to mankind. Case in point with these guys who are wanting to arrange this shutdown of the country.
Absolutely, Abba. You have a beautiful and a lovely evening ahead. Inshallah, we'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Brother Shafat, and of course our listeners out there to Radio Markaz Sahaba. Jazakallah khair for the opportunity and uh, all of you all stay safe and stay blessed until we meet again. And uh, yes, I'd like to thank Lucalo for brilliant engineering and uh, people keep it locked on to uh, Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming and uh, lovely nasheed in this first uh, from the team and ta- team and I till we meet you again. We bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.